Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Star Guys, a podcast about Star Girl on DC Universe and the CW. I am merely a Star Guy, Alex. I'm just a Star Guy living in a lonely Justin. I'm Justin. <laughs> you living in a lonely Justin? I'm living uh, in a lonely world. Uh, I just I'm don't Pete. want to get into any music licensing issues with how perfect my rendition was. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right, we're definitely right, going right. to get sued off of the top here. Unlike this episode of Stargirl, Shiv Part 1, we're just going to be sued for being too good and too much fun and too exciting to watch. Wow, 100%. Yeah. No, I really like this episode a lot. I thought this was real good, amped up the stakes considerably. There are great action sequences throughout. This is one that I've been waiting for because... For those of you who have been religiously listening to the podcast, we talked about the comics by Jeff Johnson, Lee Motor. This is a character, Shiv, that gets introduced to the comics. It's a big deal for Stargirl, and it's a big deal for the mythology. So it's been a long time coming in terms of the show, but I'm glad on how they executed on it so because you it was would, as big as it should be. So you, you would say that this episode took care of business? Wow. Yes. Okay. Nice. Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to take care of business by recapping very briefly what's been happening so far on Real Stargirl. Quick, I just want to we... say, Pete, you're a huge ELO fan. Is that who that is? <laughs> taking care of business? Taking care of business, baby. I love that song. Uh, nice. Yeah. How often do you take care of business? Uh, I try to do it once a day. Oh, okay. Uh, once a day. <laughs> and you work overtime? Yeah. And then um, work out? Yeah. And let me ask you, you, um, based based on your love of that song, what are you, 50, 60? (laughs) (laughs) You drive a tractor trailer across the country? Is that? Oh, yeah, man. More than once. Yeah. He was in that uh, uh, David Lynch movie. What was it called? Not On Simple Ground. What what is it called? The guy rides on the tractor. The Simple Life? The Simple um, Life with Paris Hilton? That's yeah. what I <laughs> that's Wow. That <laughs> went all no. over the place. <laughs> Wasn't it like the the long story or the, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Well, we're driving two people who listen to this podcast crazy, I'm sure. Uh, we'll yeah. look it up before the end of the episode. Uh, but let's get into the recap. So Stargirl, a.k.a. Courtney Whitmore, lives in a small town of Blue Valley. She is a superhero, not in training. She doesn't want to be in training. No, oh, she you're doesn't. Gonna, no, you're going to say what the movie is? The Straight Story. The Straight Story. There we go. Anyway, here's the straight story about what's going on <laughs> on Stargirl. Wait to let that sit. We've got to give time for people to Google this movie about a man who drives a trailer across the tra- tractor across the country. Shot in black and white, I believe. And uh, definitely yeah, It's not. just a very normal David Lynch movie. Nothing yes. bizarre happens. It's just a nice old man on a tractor the exactly. entire time, which it's, is weird. It's a symbol for America. And Pete, we, as we should say, played the man on the tractor. That's right. Yeah. That's why we call him Straight Pete. Yeah. We call him Straight Pete. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> because he takes care of business. Yeah. Every day. 
so Stargirl living in Blue Valley has superpowers, or rather, not exactly. She has a nope. cosmic staff that gives yeah, her superpowers. She has been kind of working on and off slash butting heads with her stepfather, Pat Dugan, who was a sidekick back in the day named Stripesy, who worked with an organization called the Justice Society of America. The Justice Society of America was killed by the Injustice Society of America 10 years ago. They relocated to Blue Valley, Nebraska to start some sort of evil plan. We've only seen little bits of that plan so far. They have gotten a satellite dish. They have uh, <laughs> gotten some radios, I think. I so, think they just want to have like the good cable, like not this regular yeah, cable. Yeah. They want that good yes. shit. We got to get free direct TV. <laughs> Uh, let me That's tell a, a very quick story in the middle of this recap. When I was in oh, college, sorry, is it going to be a straight story or like a wobbly one? It's a pretty straight story. Um, when I was in college, I had uh, I was I had three really cl- close friends, and after our sophomore year, we were like, "Where should we? We should all live together in a, in a college dorm." And uh, we were like, "My friend, this uh, hockey player, was like Sean. He was like, we got to live in this dorm because." If we get this room, it faces um, the right direction for us to get a satellite dish. And we were like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not a goal of ours. But sure, we ended up getting the room. And then we, this is our, they, you couldn't have cable on campus uh, in your Whoa. room. So was then this we got, in the 80s? No, there was a weird rule at uh, Hamilton College. Um, and so we got this room. We got this satellite dish and we positioned it in just the right way. We had to have our window open 24 hours a day in the dead cold of winter to have this satellite Ooh. dish just peeking out the window. We put a board over the window, over the, like the alcove to keep us from Classy. freezing. But we had full satellite television our entire junior year and were like the hang space. So I get where the Injustice Society is Did you from. fail out after that? <laughs> uh, no, I failed upwards into a career um, uh, podcasting and <laughs> watching television. <laughs> uh, so the Injustice Society is doing something. We don't know what it is. We know it has to do with small town America. They have been looking at other towns across the United States. Um, there is one character we'll mention in particular because they're very important. This episode, Dragon King, a.k.a. Yeah. Dr. Ito, very mysterious character, showed up very briefly once. He has been experimenting with bodies. He seems to be the scientist of the organization. And as we find out this episode, he also has a daughter named Cindy Berman, who is a real asshole to everybody at school. Yes. She is super mean. She has also been gunning hard for a guy named Henry, who is the son of Brainwave, one of the members in the Injustice Society, who was put in a coma in the second episode by Stargirl. Now, Henry also has been developing brain powers of his own, seemingly, but he doesn't quite know that yet. We delve into that pretty heavily this episode. Cindy, if you watched on DC Universe at one point, wanted to be friends with Courtney. If you only watched it on the CW, she hates Courtney and never wanted to be friends with her. Keep that in mind for later. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> what an I mean, it is, it is funnily important. I mean, we'll talk about a moment that happens later on in the episode. Uh, but she also kind of hates Yolanda Montez, who is one of the members of the new Justice Society that Courtney has put together. Yolanda Montez is Wildcat. Rick Tyler is the new Hour Man. Beth Chapel is the new Dr. Midnight. That last episode, they went up against Sportsmaster and Tigress, two of the members of the ISA. 
kind of lost, kind of ran away, sort of uh, reached a stalemate. Uh, but now the ISA knows about the new SJSA and they are gunning directly for them. Last and most importantly, Barbara is the mother of the Duke and Whitmore family. She has a job. And also <laughs> there's Mikey and he is the son of Pat and he likes candy and eating. Well, yeah. I guess his defining quality is liking candy, technically. Yeah. One of yes. the one of his many qualities. I gotta say, this is a huge app as far as a lot of things happen. A lot of things we've been waiting for is kind of paid off. Plus, you know, Mikey, as much as some of us like him as a one-dimensional character, and Justin, who's a classically trained piece of shit, uh, complains <laughs> about him as a character. Um, he gets some real depth. We get a little behind, uh, you know, the kind of curtain a little bit with Mikey. We also, the janitor finally gets a do. We get we finally get some more Dragon King. This was a huge app. Huge app. And I got to say, I know I've in the past I've come out and said that Mikey sucks. Yeah. Um, and this episode, I think we got to really explore more about Mikey. And we know that he sucks so much deeper than we <laughs> oh, than he ever on, did man. before. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> He likes candy oh and being sort of uh, passive aggressive Did about you, parents. Hey, Barb was going away. Nobody got her anything but Mikey. All right, got her anything? She's going on a work trip. You know, it's in a gift he giving gave her situation. A bag of candy. It was weird. Yeah, also, he's trip. he's like fifty years old. So not, move out already, Mikey. Yeah, no, Mikey's not, old. He's addicted to candy. He's a crippling candy addiction. Well, guys, not just any candy. Like he gave her some very specific great candy. I'll tell you what, I saw a set of Mikey opening for Bobcat Goldthwait back in 82, <laughs> and he has not aged a day. Yeah, exactly. I still got it. <laughs> so, you know, in this episode, I realized Mikey is like the child in a, Chevy, a nine, early 90s Chevy Chase movie. He's like the goof <laughs> child who's like, hey, dad, I don't know. I just like girls or something like he's like, uh, what are you talking about? That, no, guy? that is that is spot on. He no. is uh, straight out of a vacation movie. Yes. No, 100 percent. Let's jump into the episode. Gold. Let's talk about this. There might be other things to talk about than Mikey and his candy addiction. Uh, so we start off with Courtney. She runs down to her staff in the basement. She's so excited, says good morning. We get oh, a montage the of the whole JSA. Staff, good morning. I mean, come on. This yeah. opening sequence was delightful. Was. Uh, you see Rick is carving an hourglass in the stump where his parents were killed, which is very wow. sweet and sad. Yolanda is training. She loves her mask. Beth is taking care of business yeah, every day on her goggles. She, has, she hasn't even made lunch with her parents for her parents. She's I, so happy. I thought that was such a good moment. First off, yeah. why does Dr. Midnight have a karaoke mode? Like, uh, what's Come going on. on there? In the why middle not? again. He is, you mentioned this a couple of episodes back, he's basically Google on steroids, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So she was probably like, hey, Dr. Midnight, play my jams. And he play was like, jams. yep, taking this, care of business. This Here very we go. old person song. Um, and I love that Beth is like, yo, make your own lunch, parents. You shit on yeah. me all day about my life. Now you're cooking <laughs> yourself. Yeah, I How would have appreciated like one li like I don't think it would have helped the comedy beat because it was funny their reaction, but I would have liked a moment where the parents looked at each other and they were happy that she didn't make lunch. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. I, I thought that's where we were going, but I I mean I said this last episode. I think you gotta wait dad, for it. The dad works at uh, American Dream. Like maybe he's a bad guy. Mm, maybe so he's like he's like a jerk. 
I guess we'll see what happens with Dads, that. Uh, then jerks. we get into what I'm sure was a very big part of the episode for Pete. Mikey comes back from his paper route that he was forced to get oh, by Pat. Can we you t- want to talk about this, Pete? You're bursting yeah, can, at the seams right now. Yeah, can we talk about that bowl slide? That Pat bowl slide to Mikey that was just so money, like the perfect speed, like they've been doing it for years, like the... The back and forth. What are forth. you even talking about? I legitimately do not know what you're are talking you ta- about. Right are now. you serious? When Mikey yes. sat down uh, and then Pat was coming out of the basement and being way too casual with Courtney was like, yeah, we'll start training. And then Mikey was like, training for what? Hopefully training to take over my paper route. I'm the only one working around here, which is legitimate. He has a gripe. <laughs> And then uh, did you yo, memorize yo. all of Mikey's dialogue? So then he uh, he did. Pat, Pat is like, "All right, Mikey, feeding time," and does the money slide across the the kitchenette uh, to Mikey with the bowl and spoon in there, and it was just it was a, it was a money slide. It was but yeah, it was nice. a great slide. I gotta say, Pete, the their focus on this show is is wild. You're like if you were an astronaut. It's like if you went to space and re- you went to Mars and you returned and people, everyone was like, Pete, astronaut LePage, tell us, <laughs> how was Mars? And you were like, I had this Tang drink <laughs> that was so good. It was like, it I was like talk, orange. I would talk about the Tang. Yeah, exactly. And we're like, no, no, tell me about Mars. And you're like, I don't know, whatever, there's a rocks there. But this yeah. drink was like, it was like orange <laughs> juice, but worse. I loved it. <laughs> And the ice cream was solid. It was solid ice cream. Yeah. Could you believe it? Uh, Yeah, I completely missed that. I'm sorry, Pete, to let you down. Um, But as you mentioned, uh, Courtney, Pat, both terrible at lying. They end up lying their way into saying that Pat is teaching her how to drive. There's this whole metaphor about she's like, yeah, just jump in the car and go. And he's like, no, no, no. You got to read all the manuals first. As usual, they got to meet each other somewhere in the middle, uh, which we don't quite get to at the end of the episode, but I'm sure we'll get to by the end of the next episode. Uh, Barbara, though, has an interesting take on it. She is very upset. She's upset at Pat for making the decision to let Courtney drive, even though he is not actually doing that and wishes they could talk about it first. And then he almost immediately comes clean right there in the middle of the kitchen well, and says, I should tell you everything. Because it's Barb. That's why. What you can't doing? lie to Barb. They're, They're, everybody is so bad at lying on this show, which is, yes. I guess, a laudable quality, but it's, it's endearing. Crazy. It is. I got to say, there is such little chemistry between. Oh, you uh, watch your mouth what Barb you're going to say. Oh, how dare you? But how like, dare I, you? I'm not saying it, I'm not knocking them specifically. I think it may be a purposeful choice because of maybe something that's coming down the line. Um, with the show, with her relationship with um, Icicle. But I just think it's the way they talk to each other is like new roommates who are like, what are you letting no. my daughter drive? And it's like, no. they've been, they're married. They're right. technically in love, I think. No, now stop this, Justin. Okay. You try uh, looking into Amy Smart's eyes and telling anything but the absolute truth. Okay. It is that, killing <laughs> Pat. And he's doing the best that they can because, you know, he's trying to work with Courtney. And this is all, you know, uh, uh, for the good of the family as well as the town and maybe the world. As well as the town. All I'm saying is, Pete, this guy spends like a, 10 minutes sliding a bowl in a cool way to his son. He can't, like, enjoy his time <laughs> with his wife. He can't give his wife a kiss. 
he he probably did off off screen. All right, he it feels like he sleeps in the basement, maybe, and she sleeps in the bedroom, and they don't see each other other than the kitchen no, don't when they're feeding like Mikey his daily bowl of candy. I think you know that's how kids kind of perceive parents. They don't really know what goes on. They don't know where they sleep or what they do. So I think it it fits really nicely. They, they don't know where their parents sleep. I usually yeah. had a pretty good handle on where my parents were sleeping. <laughs> Just the location. Like, I could drop a pin. Yeah. Speaking of sleeping parents, we cut over to the hospital where Henry is watching his father, Brainwave, who is still in a coma. Henry is taking pills to tamp down whatever is going on with his mind. He doesn't know what it is. And we get a very interesting scene here, which obviously pays off later. It wasn't immediately clear what was going on, uh, but Cindy is really gunning for him. It's actually unclear whether they've ever dated at all or whether she's just hooked into him. Uh, But she, Henry uh, wants to try to wake his dad up. Cindy wants him to help plan homecoming. They go back and forth, go back and forth. Henry doesn't care. He doesn't want to leave his dad. She wants, he finally settled on, you stay with me for a while, and they hug, and she hates it. It's uh, a, clearly, it's a fake hug. It wasn't a real hug, yeah. and that's the worst kind of hug. There's nothing more heartbreaking than a fake hug because one person thinks it's real, and the other person, looking in a completely different direction, can make a fake a face or roll their eyes, and you can't see it. You know, and you might think yeah. it's real, but it's really not. And that's that's why anytime I hug, I always hold up my camera phone around the angle to make sure smart. I get the reverse. That's smart. I look. usually hug. By a mirror, so that way I can keep an eye on him. You know, it does make me wonder, though, how much of what she's done. As we find out later, this is an assignment from her dad. She has to date Henry. She has to take. Oh, you him mean the Dragon the King? The Dragon King, yes. Uh, I not I just, just a wonder if dad. like things like when she sent Yolanda's nudes out to the entire school. Was that also an assignment? Is that everything that she's done, or is she legitimately just chaotic evil? I think she was eliminating because she needed to date him. She was eliminating a romantic rival so she could get close to him. But honestly, what I loved about this episode is it threw a lot of questions at us or a lot of a lot of things happened that we didn't quite know why. So, like, I'm spinning this in this episode halfway through. I'm like, oh, shit, the mom died. Did she replace her daughter's consciousness? And that's actually the mom who is the, the villain shit. And, like, I'm going crazy. And I love that about this show. They they set little – it's very smartly done where there's a little bit of um, open area for us to think what we want. And then they slowly walk us back to the actual story. It's well done. And speaking of slow walking, we got a slow motion walk of uh, the Justice League <laughs> okay. in the hallway. <laughs> Man, these segues are on fire this episode. I'll tell you what, Pete. That's the kind of segue that's going to get you a kiss from Amy Smart. <laughs> Don't. I mean, off Come camera. On, it's going to be off camera. It's going to be okay, a Pat sure. Dugan style kiss. Hey, I'll yeah, take you'll it. come up from your basement sleeping area, and mm-hmm. uh, she'll mm-hmm. be there with a oh. pile of candy and a kiss on her lips. Oh my god! Don't. Anyway, it's homecoming week. Grease is the word. It's a grease themed homecoming week. And as you mentioned, there's this very badass slow mo walk that gets blo- broken apart by Cindy. Says, watch where you're going, losers. Um, but, I, man, I love seeing everybody together. I love seeing even, like, Rick smiling a little bit and yeah. excited to see everybody. It's so fun. Like, the cast has such chemistry together already, and it's really a joy to watch. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. love this. I love how they were having their power moment. It was completely interrupted um, by uh, Cindy and her, because uh, she 
she it set her up with that moment for the rest of the episode in a cool way. And they are like, they have a cool moment, but they're also bad at it too, which is mm-hmm. their whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we find out a little bit of information from Beth who just naturally knows this. It has nothing to do with the goggles. Uh, they talk about why Cindy is so mean. Her, as you mentioned, her mom died. Her dad remarried twice. Rick just thinks she's a horrible person. And regardless, Beth is very excited. She shouts out six more hours than JSA time. And everybody's like, shut up. Stop shouting that in the middle of school. Uh, We very briefly go over to Jordan. And this is another thing I wanted to talk about, because I feel like this is something that's not going to become clear until the next episode. But Jordan is looking some files, immediately goes to Barbara and offers her an opportunity. They want to secure, I think it was a sewing machine factory. Yes. Yeah. Maybe yes. after Courtney broke all the sewing machines a couple of episodes back, they feel like they need to invest into it. Uh, but uh, he invites her out on this one day business trip, which it turns out it seems like they're both going on together. So what do you yeah. think the intention is there? What's what's actually going on? Well, well obviously, when he looks at Bob, Barb, he sees somebody who can really win people over and someone who can pull off uh, a, a lot of different uh, uh, things. So he's like, obviously, we have to leverage the best person we have at the company. Uh, so if you need somebody to pitch something, you're going to send Barb. Uh, wow. Your um, Amy Smart uh, worship uh, has seemingly no end. Um, I mean, I think I'm hoping this is uh, going to feed into sort of the Courtney father mystery. Um, where she's so sure that it's um, Starman, and I think we're going to find out it's not. And I think maybe Icicle knows that um, it's someone else, and so that's why he is trying to keep her around. Yeah, potentially. I think also part of it is like there's clearly some sort of target that Icicle is going for. I don't know why he's taking Barbara with him other than potentially to go for something romantic, even though... I believe we've heard it's not actually going to be romantic. It's just a friendship thing between Icicle and Barb. But well, we'll I also think it's like if you're trying to sell small town, you know, uh, uh, why wouldn't you uh, bring Barb with you? You know, she's got stories for days about small town games and all sorts of things that you and used I th- to. I think you're right. It may be as simple as that because I think she, uh, in that moment, I think three episodes back where she stepped yeah. forward in the middle of the meeting, I think she really did make herself that like sort of innocent person who's like, I'm here for the right reasons. Let's do this. Yeah. And so maybe he's just sort of using that part of her. Yeah, especially if you're doing something evil and there's somebody who looks like they are all good, you know, nothing but sunshine, then you would want to kind of have them as the Trojan horse, if you will. But I got to say, this episode was so good for Icicle and his character, and it really makes him, despite how ice cold, uh, pun accidental, uh, he uh, he is like is complicated, and you really feel for him a little bit. I think in this episode, uh, I I agree with you, and I do think it's what's really interesting about the uh, this episode episode in particular, is we're learning so much about characters and making them a lot more complex. I mean, when you think about the Dragon King, you thought, okay, here's just the creepiest guy of all time, but now he's a dad and there's so much more to him, it's kind of crazy. And another character that uh, we see next is the creepy janitor, uh, Mm -hmm. and holy shit, uh, this was a huge reveal. 
Yes. So Cindy's uh, Cindy finds out that her friend Jenny has been asked to the homecoming by Travis. She says the dance is for losers. Her friends is like, why are you such a bitch? She needs a break from Cindy. And now Cindy is completely alone. And to the point that you were just making, Justin, even though Cindy is actively bad, I think, by the end of this episode, you still feel for her and you understand yeah. her and you kind of understand what she's coming from. And there's points where you feel her isolation and loneliness it doesn't excuse what she does. But I like that we get there. Yeah. As Pete mentioned, though, there's this creepy janitor where, again, if you've been watching on the CW, you haven't seen as much of this because they cut out a bunch of his scenes. But he's been in pretty much every episode. We finally find yeah, out has. a lot more about him. Here's uh, the dumb thing. So my what? wait, what, Pete? What, what you, I don't like the way that you're saying dumb thing, and you were finally no, 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 I was about, about the... to slam myself. I was going to slam okay. myself because okay. the I, I have this theory that it was going to be Starman, and right. he would rip off his beard, and it would be Joel McHale. We, as I think we mentioned towards the top of the podcast, we reviewed the first volume of the book, which is the first eight issues, right? Right past those eight issues, they explained who the janitor is in the comic book before it ended <laughs> with, I think, like issue 11 or 12 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so if you read the comic book, you would have known what was coming. You still don't necessarily know if you're watching the show, um, but he is a character from DC continuity. He is not a bad guy like we thought. He's actually a good guy, and he has deep ties in particular to Dragon King Dr. Ito, which is something that I think we're going to see pay off so, probably very soon. I don't want to talk. Say who it is. Should I just say? I, I, think I guess so. if, yeah, okay. Like if you want if you want to go spoiler free, skip like the next two minutes of the podcast. But it's Shining Knight. His name yeah. is uh Sir Justin. Yeah, my yeah, dog. Oh, that's Justin. why Justin's you like go. you're not gonna say his name. Yeah, can we talk about this guy? I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, this guy's got a good name. Did you yeah. guys notice though that when they like cut to his like little room in the back, he has a holy grail? Did you see that? That that cup well, on his desk? Well, that's the whole thing. Like he had the unicorn um, calendar, and then the no, sword. that was like, a horse. It wasn't a unicorn. He pet his horse, and then pet his beard, which is you know that's how you just say I'm old timey. Yeah. Well, actually, what it is in the comics, at least, is he has lost his memory. He is yeah. a knight back from Arthurian times in the DC universe. He. Uh, was part of, I think, like one of the magic organizations, probably Shadow Pact or something. I don't honestly remember. Uh, and then he gets flung to the present, ends up losing his memory and working as a janitor at Blue Valley High School. Ultimately, he gets it back and helps out Courtney Stargirl uh, when he figures out that he is, in fact, Shining Knight. Um, so that that's what we're, I think, going to get going forward. I'd be crazy if it wasn't that. I mean, we also yes. speculated it might be um, Green Lantern, who had lost his um, memory a little bit. We had some good guesses, but um, this is, uh, comics aside, this is a cool, weird thing that is happening. <laughs> It is wild. Like, it's the sort of thing that in the comic book makes sense because there's so much DC continuity that's playing throughout. She interacts with the Teen Titans. She interacts with the Captain Marvel family. But to throw this in a TV show where it's like, oh, yeah, it's a time lost night. Don't worry about it. He's the janitor of the school is a bonkers, fun, but bonkers thing to do on the TV show. There has been so many, uh, like, television and movie shows that have been like, oh, it's the janitor at my high school, that I want to go back to my high school and find my janitor and be like, who are you really? And then he turns around and it's you. (laughs) 
but that's why I got to give it up to Jeff Johns for going for it in this case. Yeah. Um, like that commitment to like sort of heightening and honoring the comic book storytelling that came before, I think is what makes this show a little bit different and a little bit more exciting than so many other comic book shows. Like the villains are darker, the heroes are brighter and shinier and more innocent. And he can maybe hopefully get away with having this um, time displaced knight who mumbles uh, <laughs> nonsense a lot. So far, there is no going. book so bad that it does not have something good in it. Yeah. And yeah. it's fucked up also that he b- works both the day shift and the night shift at this school. Like, give this guy a yeah. break. Should be another I don't even know if he works there. He might not work there, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, he you might show just up with a broom. You show up with a broom, you're the janitor. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> it's true. Uh, so we get a quick scene of Henry still kind of hearing people's thoughts. Uh, he's not quite sure what's going on. Cindy demands he goes to the dance. He says, absolutely not. Uh, she can't go with somebody else. Uh, and then we're over to science class and we get this very nice scene with Courtney and Cindy that's interspersed with Henry completely losing it. In his uh, math class, he starts hearing what the other students are thinking. He gets the answers. He's well, if you could hear what everybody's answers are, would you ignore that and just do the work yourself, or would you just write down the answers? Yeah, I mean, are you there to learn, or are you there to cheat? You're there oh to grow. God. Guys, uh-huh. um, if you've done the homework, you, the, the, you're going to hear the thoughts coming from the questions themselves. Whoa. The equations just want you to answer them. This is why you're a good teacher. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a very particular way of talking about it in that the math is talking to you. <laughs> Listen to the uh, six, man The six wants to tell you about division <laughs> So interspersed with that We do get the scene of Sydney and Courtney uh, Working on a chemistry project together They get partnered up uh, Courtney kind of sucks it up And tries to bond with her About their dead parents um, Which works uh, And she finds out that Sydney Doesn't look need to look at the directions at all She's amazing at chemistry oh, She man. does awesome She played with dangerous chemicals as a kid as you do. Uh, and Cindy just nails it like she absolutely nails it and you can see her softening a little bit and this is the moment the biggest moment in the episode that I really wanted to talk about is Cindy asks if she's going to the dance they say no they say we can hang Saturday night she says I'll call you and Courtney says because you have my number. my number and now here's the thing the scene of her getting her number was cut out of the CW broadcast so if wow. you watch that only on the CW this makes no sense no sense whatsoever no sense how could you possibly make how would the you get that callback you couldn't get it at all they cut out the scene uh, uh. you could also say thank think, you might think she's just a creep who has everyone's number <laughs> no, it makes no sense. None. Yeah. Garbage. Very uh, angry. But it was no, it's fine. really nice to see them connect like that. Yes, I agree. I like their friendship. Uh, it's a bummer that it didn't work out at all. But um, I mean, because they could have yeah. just had them hate each other the whole time. I'm a hero. You're a villain. We're completely opposite. Uh, you know, kind of boil up like Courtney wants to fight her later on, maybe. But I really, the fact that they're playing this similarities, especially in this itch, in this episode, and we get a, a, like a kind of montage a little bit later of them both getting lectured by their, uh, you know, dad. So I, I think it's really cool. 
What I also like about Cindy and the way they play it is she is a she's not nice because she's has no interest in being in school. She has what she wants to do. I feel like that's a yeah. true thing about a lot of kids in high school where they're like, I already know what I want to do, whether it's I'm going to go to college and do this or it's like I'm going to take over my family business, whatever. That frustration just builds up where she's like, I hate it here because I have no interest in this. And so, like, you, I I think you get that from her, and it gives you a little bit of sympathy like we talked about. Well, then we kind of lose that sympathy in the next scene. Quickly, Because we get a harrowing, harrowing scene of her going home. She has a driver who takes her home. Her mom is home, terrified of her. She knocks the snacks right into those her poor dress. snacks. I mean, Mikey could have eaten those. I think. I think there was a quick shot. I couldn't quite tell. I didn't slow it down or anything. But I think like he darted out from a hole yeah. in the wall. <laughs> you see what the caught all well, of them. What's yeah. nice is I'm hoping the bonus on DC Universe. You're going to see Mikey like come through the window on his paperboy BMX bike, mm-hmm. slide, catch <laughs> the cookies before they hit the ground, and then ride off into the sunset. He's the real just like a yeah. yeah. It's like a paperboy action movie starring Mikey. Get on board. Great. So Cindy knocks over the plate, says her day was awful. Um, They go back and forth. The mom is totally terrified. She wants an after school snack of cheese and wine. Her mom is like, no, there's very strict rules about alcohol. She's like, no. Do you want me to tell your dad that you were so mean to me? Uh, and she promises to take the bottle of Pinot Noir that she's hidden in her room and leave it in Cindy's room, which is pretty hardcore wine for a kid, I got to say. I mean, no, give I mean, your kid Merlot. They're not going to know the difference. Don't waste a Pinot Noir on your kid. Well, maybe she likes a lighter wine. She likes something that um, has lighter tones and maybe some tannins, mm-hmm. but maybe not. You don't yeah, understand. I, mean, I will say. Go I'm with getting... the white wine then. What are you doing? I'm definitely getting some Paul Giamatti notes from her performance of the episode, so I think it does make some sense. That's a sideways reference. Yeah, no, I got it. Definitely fits right with our um, taking care of business stuff from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But she doesn't wait for the wine. She punches in a code, goes downstairs to see her dad, and immediately, which I love, we get an establishment. There's these animal sounds in the basement. She sees Grundy. Locked up says, stop growling at me, creep. Was that Grundy, though? It was like more of a gorilla grod growl than Grundy. It it sounded more animalistic, but that was definitely Grundy. And the thing that I appreciated about that is, like, it's beyond she's an asshole, beyond her dad is a supervillain. She knows everything that is going on, which puts her on a very different level from Cameron, Icicle's kid. It puts her on a different level from Henry, who's Brainwave's kid. Like, she is in the loop on everything, and I love that choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So uh, we then go over to the JSA a little bit for a bit of training with them. They're at Pat's shop. Pete, anything you want to say about that? Like the pull into the shop or the outside of the shop? I love Pat. Pat's the best. Yeah, I, it was, uh, you know, we got a couple car shots, uh, which were, which was really nice and very tastefully done. Uh, a lot of old cars in this shop that are pretty cool looking for sure. Um, um, I think it's interesting the way Pat talks in this scene, it really struck me. He sounds like he's narrating a documentary about his life from inside his life. That's awesome. this. 
scene was bonkers. Like I, I understand intellectually what was going on here, that Pat was setting up a training session for the JSA. Courtney was like, no, we don't need any training and going rogue and saying she could do it herself so that the JSA could get pissed off and be like, we're supposed to be a team. So I get that as an emotional arc, but thinking about it in practice, like what was this training session that Pat set up? First of yeah. all, he's so behind everybody else where he's like, these are the members of the JSA, the ISA. And everybody is like, we know this information already. You are giving us literally no new information. So Courtney, 100% right there. And then what was he going? What was the training? But session? That's the thing. Hitting no. buckets. Punch the take it easy. Take it easy. All right. First off, not everybody knows all this stuff. You know, Pat's idea is smart. We need to get everybody up to speed. What's going on? Where are these, uh, all these trinkets came from? Who's what? Also, there's still a fucking owl who is all by itself crying in an old museum looking place. (laughs) Nobody gives a shit about that is killing me. Um, You know, there's... Yeah, but Pat, I just th- Pat doesn't say stuff that's super helpful. He says, sportsmaster, good at sports, watch out. And they're like, yeah, we fought him. And then they're like, tigress, watch out, she can jump off a wall. And they're like, yeah, that we know that is the one thing we do know. Yeah, but right. that was just his prelim speech. He was going to get to the meat of the matter. It was just it kind of felt like he everything. should have started the speech. We're like, this might be your ter- first time watching Stargirl. Here's a couple of things you need to know about the bad guys. No, but the hour man, he hasn't been around for these battles. He doesn't he know this shit. several of them and they've had conversations like like Justin saying, there's nothing new here. There's no information. And then once she knocks down the like was the training session. Did he think it was going to take them an hour to knock down some buckets? Like, you no, don't need superpowers to do that. knocking down the buckets. It's about talking about what the villains... No, now I'm talking about Yolanda and company getting upset. They're like, oh, man, I wanted to knock down a bucket. But yeah. you knocked down four buckets. But you, also, think of, you think a professional football team like has a, a, a bucket with Tom Brady's face on there? Like, Tom Brady, you got to knock him down. If they're He's good. the guy... He kisses his son too much. That's all you need to know about beating him at football. (laughs) Um, But also what I liked about this scene was that Cindy was getting uh, the same lecture from her father. And they were both kind of like ignoring her. That was also a cool bit. It was very well edited. I I will agree with that. And I know I'm making fun of it. But like everybody's, everybody's good in it. I really like the note at the end of the JSA stuff where... I didn't mark down who said it. I think it was Beth. She said this was supposed to be for the team. Uh, And then, as you mentioned, you get Dragon King. His reveal of his big, creepy lair downstairs. Yes. um, Asked Cindy why she came downstairs. She says she can't take it. She can't take being a teenager. She wants to be part of the ISA. And then she shoots a blade out of her arm and kills a man <laughs> and dragging, which just is a red shirt, you know, total red shirt situation. Like just guys standing there gets taken out for no reason. And yeah, it's such a amping up of Cindy's villainy in the seed where it goes yes. from like, she's the asshole at school to, Oh, she just casually kills people and maybe killed her own mother. Yeah. That's why yeah. that stepmom is crazy nervous. Yeah. 
so uh, we find out Dragon King gave her powers, tells her not to touch a staff, like which a is a father. serpent staff that eyes glow. He takes it from her. There's also a costume on a wall. Obviously, that becomes important later. Uh, but Dragon King kind of explains what she needs to do, that if Brainwave doesn't wake up, they need Henry's abilities. She doesn't care. She wants to break up with him. Um, she's all alone up there. She wants the other character. She wants to put together her own young ISA. Uh, and she also, because she was sneaking a peek on the ISA earlier, asks you Stargirl as she wants a seat at the table. What's up, Pete? So I just want to say as fathers, you know, like, uh, there was a moment there where the dragon King was like, I gave you superpowers. What the fuck do you want for me? And I kind of feel like the Dragon King has a point, you know, like uh, I've my whole life have wanted superpowers. You know, mm. I feel like I would leave somebody alone if they gave me superpowers. You know, I, I wouldn't think that I would also then bother them a lot. But what were your thoughts on that one when, when you were going through those scenes? Where, you so know? I felt the same way because like um, I, I didn't get my uh, kids' superpowers, but we did you get them an Elsa doll that sings the song from Frozen 2. <laughs> and I'm like, I gave you this doll that you press the button a lot. What more do you want from me? <laughs> Similarly with my children, regularly I will give them dessert or a treat, mm-hmm. and then they want a second dessert or treat. Wow. Oh, looks like you're raising a couple of monkeys. <laughs> you get a couple of monkeys on your hand. It certainly feels that way. Sometimes. Yeah, you should yell at your kids and be like, "Stop being a monkey." They do love pop tarts. No, oh, who oh, doesn't? Man, this is all coming. Clear. Who doesn't? Uh oh, uh, this is bad. This is very bad. Very bad. Uh, Let me so, ask you: Do they uh, deliver all of their um, uh, questions uh, to you in a sort of '80s stand-up comedian uh, tone of yeah, voice? Yeah, exactly. The other day, my daughter pulled out a cigarette and stuck her hand over her head and put the cigarette in her mouth. Wow. It was like hickory dickory dock, and I was like, "Whoa, that's what's happening?" Here? I did see your t- uh, son with a tie, and he was like, "I get no respect." Yeah, wow! I think you got you got some real tough comedians on your hand there. I am halfway to a Caddyshack reunion in my own house. <laughs> oh no! Oh, dangerous. So uh, Courtney's upset uh, about being told she's not ready. Pat completely shuts her down. I will say we make fun of Pat a lot on the show. I you did shouldn't. like how forceful Pat was being in this episode. Like even if his training session is dub. What he is saying to Courtney is not wrong. Exactly. That's the lesson that she learns in the worst possible way by the end of the episode. And I do like, I like him, his character and everything. And I think it's purposeful that he is sort of a goober uh, in a lot of it. And like we see um, later in the episode, uh, the janitor recognizes that he's stripesy. Stripesy is that person. Um, And so it, it, it is useful both in town and in his family, but also in the superhero side of the story, he is that one who always comes through right at the end to like, just fix things. And I think it's good. And he does that again here when he takes the kids out. Yeah. Uh, bigger scene in the episode, of course, Pete, Mikey, as we mentioned, gives a candy mix oh, to Barbara to take. I got out emotional. Like just the, the, what he picked out for her, was just so caring and and just and you could see how touched Barb was by it, you know, and she kind of looked around at the rest of her family like you nothing from you guys. Just Mikey's the only one who's going to miss me and care. Oh, OK, fine. 
yeah, the Mikey... weirdest thing to me about their relationship, and this is getting back to what we talked about earlier with Pat and Barbara, is like, how long did they date before they got married? Because w- it feels like... I would like... guess seven to eight minutes. <laughs> right? Because it feels like yeah. Mikey and Courtney never met before they moved to Blue Valley. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, no, I mean, we'll talk about that scene in a minute, but it's sort of like... So with the, with the way Mikey talks, I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? <laughs> what is he talking about? I don't know. He's just a character that I'm like, what is the headspace here? I can't impenetrable head obsessed with candy. And then he like goes after Courtney for being like, hey, you have a mom and I have a dad and that's it. Don't talk to the other one. It's not no, how he's just work. jealous of the amount of time. He used to get to hang out with Pat, and Pat would buy him food, and he was happy. All and he cares about is the food. He's getting less food now, and it's, up, it's upsetting him. He has a right to be upset that, you know, he used to be able to hang with his dad, and now his dad's in a creepy basement all the time and out late all the time. You know, you know he's, it's, he has a valid point. Mikey is like the cartoon mascot for a, a Saturday morning cereal. He's like Cookie Crook. He's like Toucan Sam. All he cares yeah, about is even, eating the snack. Even Toucan Sam wants to spend time with his father. There's nothing wrong with I that. I didn't read that on the back of the cereal box. <laughs> what commercial had Toucan Sam being like, Dad, I really I have to miss follow you. my nose to hang with my father. <laughs> you you got to rewatch him. There's a couple real touching father episodes. <laughs> to follow my nose to my daddy issues that are developing. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's a lot of edible stuff in the Keebler Elves commercials, too. Yeah. I mean, but you got to, like, watch them really closely. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, uh, we also get a nice scene with Cameron coming home to his uh, dad, Icicle. Uh, asks if everything is okay. They have a, he doesn't know how to ask out a girl. Well, that's uh, the thing. It's, it's like we have these supervillains, and they're supposed to be all evil. But that was a touching talk he gave to Cameron, being like, you know, you got to put yourself out there for love, son. It's all It's worth it for love. And you're like, wait a second. You're fucking icicle you're cold as shit it's very interesting the the complex family dynamics in the show and i really i think that's so true and i really love this scene i think this is sort of giving us a lot of information going forward he hasn't been grooming his son to take over i think that's the real split between these um the isa villains like some of them are like with shiv aggressively like you're gonna do this and then on the other side, Icicle, like, Icicle feels a real loss because of his wife. And I think he, because of that, he's protecting his son from this world and hasn't told him any of that stuff and maybe doesn't want him involved. And I think that's going to become a pivot point going forward. I agree. Uh, then we're over to Homecoming. Uh, it's initially very sparsely attended for a Homecoming, uh, but suddenly it's night. And the Blueberry Prairie Dogs are going up against a team that I couldn't quite understand the name of. Thought At first, I thought it was Central uh, City something, but I don't think it's that. It was the Adams was the name of the team. Oh, okay. There you go. I, don't, I didn't hear the first part either. They, uh, it's hard to hear. Okay. It's probably uh, whatever city the Adam works out of. I'm forgetting yes. what it's called. It's like Bridgetown uh, or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, so uh, Mikey, of course, wants a million things to eat. And of course. There's a cl- classic back and forth uh, between come on. Pat and Mike. 
Guys, when you go to a sporting event, I mean, I don't know about you, but I asked for everything I could get. I mean, that going to, you know, the hot dogs, the cotton candy, that stuff was the best as a kid. Come on. Uh, it was Ivy Town. Ivy Town. There we go. Uh, uh, yeah, so probably the Ivy Town Adams. Um, Pat's reaction, though. Okay, I'll take out a quick loan. Coconut hot dog. Yeah, that was Spicy. Fun. That Spicy comeback. That's yeah. the sharpest shit I've ever heard out of Pat's mouth, and I appreciate it. Mikey, <laughs> he might as well said, Mikey, you suck. Sit down. No, <laughs> come on. Well, and then it doesn't even bring back a coconut hot dog. He brings back popcorn, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, He's a bad dad. No, He's not don't, even paying attention. don't you dare. Dragon King, better dad than Pat. <laughs> well, uh, by the way, oh, just hold that off for our dad rankings, uh, which we yeah. get to at the end of the show. Oh, as dad always. power rank, as always, we always power rank the dads, including ourselves. Um, yeah. But I think, <laughs> do think Mikey's more of a supervillain than um, Shiv will ever be. I concur. Uh, so Courtney is trying to check out the principal, who is Principal Bowen, who is the new fiddler. Um, Pat's like, leave her alone. Um, we get the fight about whose dad is whose, and he's like, it's my dad, you know, not yours. He's pretty pissed about it. Mikey is upset. He says he's not with Barbara 24 seven, despite the fact that they're having candy parties all the time and he's giving her sacks of candy, but you know, whatever. Uh, and, uh, then we get another sweet little scene. Cameron sits down next to Courtney, uh, asks her to the homecoming dance she says she would want to go, uh, but she made the plans to hang out with Sydney Bourbon. But then she decides, she says yes, and says, you know what, they can hang out some other time. Um, what do you think, a, rude move or good move? I, I thought that was, I, it made you really like Cameron. I mean, he's so earnest and he's someone that's just like, he's trying to be a kid. And um, I like the way that Courtney had to choose between her sort of like, it felt weird that it was like, why is she so committed to hanging out with Cindy when it's not part of the mystery? It's just she wants to hang out with Cindy. But it feels like that's some of her superhero instincts sort of taking over. And then she ends up choosing going to the dance with Cameron, which I think is the right choice, uh, especially with what is about to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree it was the right choice. The only thing that's weird about it is then she goes to talk to Cindy in the middle of the football game. Which it feels like the sort of thing that could have waited until afterwards. No, when you see uh, the cheerleaders are on the sidelines because they can be constantly approached with any question you might have. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, are you guys going to do what we get the ball? Let's go. Let's go. We get the ball. Let's go, go, go. Totally up, up for grabs. Yeah. Just let us know. Let us know what's going on. Uh, so uh, then we jump over to Courtney goes to. Ta right, so Courtney goes to talk to Cindy. Cindy's like, you know what? Never come over. Let's never talk again. And then we get into the beginning of our big action sequence. Principal Bowen gets a call. Uh, we get a brief thing of Crusher, a.k.a. Sportsmaster, going up and razzing Pat very oh, yeah. badly about eating badly. Uh, but everything is ready, uh, according to Principal Bowen. They've been trying to wake Dr. King up. Um which uh, sounded very weird when she said it out loud until I realized they were talking about Brainwave. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> turns out there's a secret door in the principal's office. Um, Courtney As gets all her principal's offices have. Absolutely. Um, Courtney gets her Stargirl costume and staff. Janitor Justin is there, just misses her, doesn't see her yeah. at all. Uh, but now, the staff... Yes, go ahead. That's a sweet staff moment where the staff knows, you know, like, oh, it's going down. 
You know, so it was cool that like she went to her locker and the staff was right there, ready for business, take yeah. care of business uh, every day. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, the staff way. finds the trigger for the door. Uh, the door closes, locking her in. Uh, at the same moment, Cindy runs down to the lab to see her father, which made me very confused about the whole layout of how everything works in Blue Valley. Mm. Because how did she get there so quickly? I'm not sure. In the no, it's of the all game. everything uh, in the town is underground tunnels, man. Near the school, I, apparently. Yeah. That ah, was a little weird, uh, but it's fine. Uh, she goes in there. The goon doesn't talk to her. He's changed the code uh, to the staff. She gets frustrated, says he's never there when I need him. Um, she sees Stargirl on the camera, sees the costume, and puts it on. And we get a putting on costume montage, very similar to the Stargirl putting on costume montage yeah. from the second episode, which felt very purposeful to me. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the big fight sequence. Uh, Stargirl, I, this is so well staged, so epically done. I loved it. How'd you guys feel about it? Really great across the board, like um, from all the different moments, from each of their perspectives, the moment where um, Courtney blasts her in the face with the staff and then she heals, I thought was cool. Very cool. Very well done. And allows Courtney to realize like, oh, shit, I am not maybe prepared for this. Yeah. And yeah, that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, that was fun. But I really liked how they kind of were fighting in, you know, the dance room where the big dance is going to be held. That was cool. The homecoming dance. And then. What I'm was worried about, like, because sometimes when people get too into the effects, we don't get to see the fight sequences. Like, if they wanted to show off the cosmic staff too much, everything's too dark, so you see how cool the staff looks. But they're doing a really good job of balancing it so you can kind of still see the heroes fighting and also how cool the cosmic staff lo- looks spinning around and stuff. There was that shot as they're fighting where the camera is just circling around them as they're on the record in the middle. Yeah. That was great. Really like, cool. To your yeah. point, the fact that they held on that clearly showed off whether it was the stunt doubles or the actresses uh, doing the fight scene. Very, very cool. Uh, I was really impressed by that. And then harrowing, horrifying into it as she stabs Courtney through the hands, breaks the staff in half. Uh, And then the janitor saves her. Uh, The staff heals itself, which was an interesting note. Um, I don't know if the staff, because it looked like it was like she broke the staff in a cut and then it cut to the staff on the ground full again. So I think maybe that was like the stunt double accidentally chopped it in half or something like that. I don't know. No, no. she chopped it in half and then you saw the staff come back together and come back to life. So... It's it's got something going on. It's got a life of its own, uh, and it goes to find Pat, which I love that moment of it, like kind of sneaking yeah. behind the dumpster a little bit yeah, or whatever that was. That was. Cool. Uh, very cool. Uh, and uh, Shiv gets up, sees Star Girl unconscious, runs away. They don't overplay this moment, but it felt pretty clear to me that with Pat coming in yelling Courtney, Courtney. She probably heard that, and she now knows Courtney Scargo, right? After this fight, they both know who each other are, which is very interesting it feels for the that show way. moving yes. forward. But also, like, the creepy janitor saving the day moment was just fantastic. You want to talk yeah. about, you know, a shiny Sir Justin kind of moment there. That was yes. a great one. Um, and I think we can call him a hero janitor instead of creepy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, or should we call all Justin's hero? 
That's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Let's get to the point yep. here. Justin's really no. It means the name yeah, means the just the, one. It means the just one. Mm, they, we also got kind of the stripesy recognition moment, which was cool. Yeah. Yes. He recognizes him as stripesy. Uh, again, this is kind of spoilers for the comics. They may not go in this direction, but they have mentioned them before. But Shining Knight is part of the All Star Squadron, which is the super team before the JSA. Uh, so I think we're probably going to get some notes of that as well, which might be kind of neat. Yes. And then uh, we get that last moment. So heartbreaking of Courtney unconscious lying there, Pat cradling her. I felt for sure we were going to get a little more of the episode with like Courtney being taken away or Shiv being like, Courtney, you're star girl. But ending on that moment was so powerful and so heartbreaking. Yeah. It really put a, it added so much stakes to what we had just seen, what felt like sort of fun, uh, a fun battle. It really put it yeah. in like a sort of like, oh shit, this is much more serious. Yeah, because as we saw in this episode, uh, Cindy does not play around. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that her like double oh no made it so much better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we wrap up here, who was the star of this episode? Pete, let's go to you first for a big surprise to find out who was the star. Yeah, first, Pete. before I get to my star, I just want to give Mikey a shout out. I know he takes a lot of heat on this episode, but man, I am the casting for Mikey for me is just so perfect. And I love having shows within shows, and I, I, I just think it's so great. But Cindy, to me, was the real... Can I just say, if Mikey can't take the heat, he should get his Pop-Tarts out of the toaster. <laughs> because you know That's a very Mikey thing to say. <laughs> you know he's got him in that toaster. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with Cindy. Uh, this actress is killing this role. There is so much... To this character, so many different aspects, and you never feel like uh, this character is waving. It's always very cool and very powerful, and I'm impressed with all the dimensions that this actress is able to pull off with this character. And like Justin said, made her vulnerable and did like a bunch of uh, different stuff. So I've been really impressed uh, uh, with this character and how this is unfolding. And the similarities between Cindy and Courtney are, are great, and I'm looking forward to more showdowns as it kind of moves on. Yes, perhaps in a part two. Um, I'm going to give it up for uh, Courtney. Uh, just great episode mm. for her. The fight, uh, the um, the way she smashed those bucket heads that uh, <laughs> Pat made was badass. Like she yeah. felt like a real hero in that moment. Even though she lost her battle at the end of the episode, I thought that was like real proof positive that she's like ready to do this. This was a little part of the episode, but I'm going to give it up for Cameron, actually, who was very charming this week. Yes. The show hasn't delved into romance or ships or anything like that, but his scene with Courtney was very cute. It's not a pairing that I necessarily predicted or thought of, though it seems obvious in retrospect. Like you got the what who thinks they're the daughter of Stargirl and the son of Icicle end up dating. They find out who their dads are. It's epic. It's bad. That's such a smart storytelling decision. But making him a good guy who's very charming and very nice and helpful for his dad, uh, I thought was great across the board. 
Yeah. All right. A couple of things before we go. First of all, we are going to have a bonus episode for this Woo-hoo. episode of Stargirl yeah. that will go up Tuesday night after the CW airing. We've got a special one for you this week. We talked to none other than Nelson Lee, the Dragon King oh, himself. Man for a post cap on the episode. Super fun. Great guy. Super I can't wait fun. for you all to hear the podcast with him um, because it's a really fun time. Also, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. We do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'll chat with you about Stargirl. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Star Guys Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, we're the Star Guys signing off. <laughs>